Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. Do you want to experience what it's like to be part of our Entrepreneurial League community of founders? Now is your chance. New member open enrollment begins on June 10th, and so does our Experience Week. I really want you to have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be part of the most supportive community that will be here to support you at all stages of your business journey during our Experience Week. This will be a five-day virtual event series, and it starts on Monday, June 10th through Friday, June 14th. You're going to get access to live networking and learning events, business growth strategies, as well as office hours with Kim Perel, who is a CEO and serial entrepreneurista, as well as a prominent angel investor. You will also get access to a session on how to win grants with Kat Weaver and Katie Dunn, founders of Power to Pitch. Plus, our mentor, Carrie Kirpin, will be teaching a session all about how to build a profitable business that can sell for more money. And of course, I'll be hosting two info and networking sessions where you can really get an inside look at all of the exclusive benefits and resources that are offered only inside of our Entrepreneurs League community. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and build relationships with current members. You can register today for Experience Week over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week. That's entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week to join us for a week of free virtual events. I cannot wait to meet you and be part of your business journey. And you can see like a true entrepreneur, like a true startup mindset. Like we get some people on the interviews that when they say what was their worst situation, in my case would be the best day for me. So that's that's somehow a way to measure like the level of stress that this person has gone through like especially like if they come from like bigger companies with more limited risk you can see that their worst case scenario is like a, a normal day in my life so that's one way to see it if they are ready for going to war build what you can sell don't sell what you can build great advice from Miami-based entrepreneurista Andrea Lisbona the founder and CEO of Touchland, a vegan cruelty-free hand sanitizer that makes your skin happy, kills 99.9% of germs, and smells great. In 2010, Andrea decided to take hand hygiene to a whole new level with a visionary team that had a sixth sense for what was needed. Seven years later, the company took the products to the world, and then with the 2020 pandemic, hit a 2,000% growth almost overnight. Coming up, you'll hear about the roller coaster of emotions while spending a year and a half raising money, and then how it all changed in just 24 hours. The importance of trusting your gut before getting married in business. Dealing with big challenges to supply chain, capacity, and brand reputation in meeting sudden massive demand for your product a focus on how health is everything, where a black belt and musical theater intersect, and how Andrea has been preparing herself for a decade for this very moment. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. 
Andrea. I am so excited to hear more about your entrepreneurship journey today. I actually found out about your business through Instagram over the past couple of months during this whole pandemic because I was searching for hand sanitizer. So that's initially how I came across your business, but I would love to learn more about your story and what led to the launch of Touchland. Thank you for having me, uh, Stephanie and Courtney. It's been a pleasure to be part of the entrepreneurs, the female founders that you interview and uh, happy to share my story. It's a quite interesting one. Yeah. So how did the idea for Touchland come to be and what were you doing before? So I started the business when I was 24 years old. I studied uh, business administration. Then I did uh, M, an entrepreneurship course at URC in California. And after that, I decided to do a fashion design course. And the reason why is because I've always loved fashion. And I wanted to not only know about business, but also getting to know more the industry from the design perspective and everything. And in 2010, the economic crisis came in Europe and I come from an entrepreneur family. So I wanted to help out with the family business. And I was thinking, I've always been in love with uh, Steve Jobs' story and Espresso and like how companies and founders have taken industries that have been commoditized and forgotten. Like you think about it, like the coffee industry and they have elevated it to a whole new level. So in 2010, I felt like, okay, like I remember this product that I met when I was at USC that everyone was using like, crazy, not, not so popular in Europe, called hand sanitizer. And then I was thinking like what everyone said about the product, it's like, it smells like cheap vodka, it's so sticky. And when I was starting to understand this category, it was like, this is gonna be like brushing your teeth. And hand hygiene plays a key role to stay healthy. 80% of infectious diseases are spread through hands. So I was challenged to believe why a key product that keeps you healthy has to be so unpleasing. So I started the venture at 2010 distributing hand sanitizer solutions um, because I think one of the lessons I learned is like build what you can sell, not sell what you can build. <laughs> so I took five years to really understand the industry from inside instead of like, okay, my thoughts, this is what people need. For five years, we distributed brands and we got to see both from commercial point of view, but also personal point of view, what were the pains in this industry? Was it the formula? Was it the experience? Was it, was it the application, the technology? And after five years, we decided, okay, we've learned enough. We're ready to go. We develop our own product line and we partner with a multinational manufacturer that believed in us. And so that's where the Touchland that we know as of today started after these five years of distribution. Were you working full-time while you were developing this on the side or were you just focused on this for those five years? I started my first venture at 2010 when I was 24 years old. That was Touchland. I have never worked with anyone else besides the internships when you're studying. So I'm self-learning every day. Like uh, I was fully dedicated to this project since the very beginning. I do believe that it has a lot of potential and there's still a lot to do. And so I've been dedicated to that for the last 10 years of my life. When did you officially launch the brand? What year was, did you say that was? Our own product line was launched in 2015 in Europe. One of the things that I've learned as an entrepreneur is that when you want to get somewhere, sometimes you just have to change your path. Like we had this great idea, this great concept, but we were in the wrong market. So we partnered with this multinational in 2016 and we said, look, 30% of the global demand of hand sanitizers is in U.S., we're going to dream big. We're going to think outside the box. We're going to pack our things and just start our American dream and we moved here in 2018 
And that's when we officially relaunched the brand in US with this partnership with the multinational. We developed skincare formulations that would not only be like meeting the functional perspective of the point of the hand sanitizer, but also would take care of the, of the skin and everything. Did you raise money for your company? Yes. So the first time that we raised money was in 2014 when we developed the products in Europe. To be honest, I've been very lucky with the investors and the people that I got on board. Like, I feel like I'm a long-term thinker. During these years, we've been approached by so many people that my gut was telling me no, and I'm glad that I follow my instinct. The first investor was one of our distributors that said, hey, Andrea, if at some point you raise money, just count on me. And then the first serious investment round was done in 2016 with the multinational that we partner. They ended up investing over a million dollars in dedicated equipment and the testing for FDA, the tests and everything. And then before we moved to U.S., we had to raise capital, obviously, to have some structure to launch in U.S. And also it was through someone that I knew from the business school that loved the project and my commitment since I was 24 years old. So they truly believed that no matter what challenge we would encounter, my persistence and stubbornness would make me go through it. Do you have any tips for those who are thinking about raising money for their business based on your experience? To trust their gut, like one of the worst mistakes that entrepreneurs can do. And sometimes it's because they, they need to raise capital. Like I remember when we were raising the capital to move here, it took one year and a half of pitching and everything in desperation. And you see the bank account that goes like this. But we had offers that just were like, okay, I'm going to regret it in a year from now. I'd rather don't get married. And so we keep going and going and meeting with people. And then you end up, I think like, I do believe in karma. And I do believe that at some point, if it has to happen, it will happen. And so we ended up meeting with the right investor. It took us one year and a half to raise funds. And then we pitched and we raised in 24 hours. So as an entrepreneur, it's such a roller coaster of emotions, like the desperation that you face for one year and a half. And then in 24 hours, you close the round. So I would say just to follow their gut. And in the end, like investors, partners, anything, it's like a marriage. It has to be something that you feel as an equal, that you feel comfortable with. Because I do believe that at some point, like it has not happened to me with investors, but it has happened to me with distributors and everything, that if you have a feeling that it's not going to work, the time let ends up telling you that you were right. So definitely. And like Stephanie was saying earlier, I actually found out about you back in March when I was looking for hand sanitizers for the team and we knew that we were going to be working remotely for a few weeks, it turned into months, and we wanted to gift the team hand sanitizer. And I immediately fell in love with your branding. And at the time, unfortunately, it was all sold out. So hoping that I will get to try it soon, but I love the brand. So can you tell us about how the branding came to be? Did you develop it yourself? Did you work with an agency? Yeah, I'm a branding fan. I spent a lot of years learning about the story of Apple, Nike, Nespresso, and, and also D2C brands such as like Glossier, Away, Outdoor Voices. And I think when we developed the brand, it has some ingredients from all of these brands. I feel like that we have the innovation and the design approach of Apple. We have the experience approach of Nespresso, like the moment, like when you are thinking about this Nespresso, they have elevated the coffee moment to a pleasure, luxury moment. And I think Tajan is, is doing the same in the hand sanitizer industry. And also we brought in the table something that we were surprised that for 20 years, there was no brand 
that connected with the millennial and the Gen Z and through social media of hand sanitizer. So we started building this community. Um, I think that's what has triggered Touchdown Success is having a community that I'm always surprised when I see the reviews and it makes me so proud. They say like, they use words like, I never thought I would be obsessed with hand sanitizer. I never thought I would fall in love with hand sanitizer. And a lot of people ask me like, how did you do it? And I think there's no shortcut to building a community. Some brands just think about the outer shell of being a perfect brand. But I think in case of Touchland, we've built a community that, that they have seen Touchland interacting through many ways, social media, customer service, everything that we do and our values are aligned across all the channels, across all the platforms. And I feel like consumers nowadays are very smart. And they see if it makes sense, if your brand is being honest and transparent and coherent or not. And I think like that's part of the success has been like being very strategic, building a community, being super transparent. Like there has been many hand sanitizer brands during the COVID that they were in order to gain sales saying my hand sanitizer kills COVID. And many people came to us. It's like, is your brand killing COVID too? And I'm like, well, first of all, Here's the CDC, no hand sanitizer brand kill COVID. They help you prevent it, but they cannot kill viruses. Um, so I think that's the kind of things that customers love. It's like, we're not trying to gain sales like from everywhere. We're just trying to be very transparent and it, and it pays off. How big is your customer service and social media team now? I assume your community has really grown, especially over the past couple of months. I think like I have more white hair in two months than ever in my life. We have grown very much right now. We are at 10x year to date from last year revenue. So obviously, it's, I always say it's like a kid that his height is one meter and then suddenly it's three meters. Your bones ache. You cannot sleep. You're like, it, it, we've struggled a lot, especially because we always want to maintain the same level of commitment and transparency. We respond to every message on social media, on customer service, like even like PR inquiries or can I try your product? We just try to be very... 100% proactive with the communication and it has been a challenge. Um, right now, the team is over 10 people. We were a very small team in 2019. That's when we launched. We launched in December 2018. But I think like we have been able to create a team that it feels like a family, heavily involved. Like We work across the country, but all of us are heavily invested in making sure that it's not about sales. It's about building a company that is going to mark a difference, such as Apple changed the way we communicate and Espresso changed the way we take coffee. And I feel like one of the things that people ask me, what makes you happy is to be honest. <laughs> when I'm in the street and I see someone popping up that power mist and using it, I'm like, that's what really makes me happy and, and accomplished. And what did you have to do differently during this time to meet the demands of the market? Did you have to hire more people, work around the clock, weekends? Everything, everything. We, I think one of the biggest challenges that we experienced was we were sold out at the beginning of March. And so we were growing over 2,000% overnight. So obviously we had to readjust everything, make sure that we could take all the pre-orders that we were receiving and making sure that we could maximize product availability for as many people as possible. One of the challenges that we had is like, okay, we need to measure the demand. We need to know how much do we have to grow the capacity? Like my last four months, I've been 90% of my time dedicated to supply chain because we needed to maximize product availability for everyone. 
So we decided and at the beginning of March that we were sold out <laughs> right when the, the pandemic started, uh, we were sold out. We decided to start two initiatives. Like we started with a waiting list and we started also with uh, pre-orders. And thanks to that, we were capable to go to our supply chain and say, look, we have over 30,000 orders to serve. Like we need you to increase the filling machines and like we need you to increase the molds that we have because that was one way not to, I think like one of the things that we experienced that other hand sanitizer brands couldn't experience is that we have a direct contact with the customer and we are D2C. While the majority of hand sanitizers, they are like working through distributors, they are offline. So when you're sold out, you're sold out. <laughs> that you cannot do anything. But in our case, we were able, being very transparent, we said, look, we're going to do it by batches. If you order, it's going to be four to six weeks wait time till it ships. It sucks, <laughs> but it's the reality. And we wanted to be very transparent. We also were refunding everyone, like people that was like, hey, look, I was waiting, but I really need my money back. We refunded everyone that couldn't wait for the six weeks. So it was challenging because people were very nervous and we understand it during a pandemic. Everyone is in need of product. We also, at the same time that we were sold out, we decided to dedicate part of our container arrival. Every time that we received a container, we shipped to hospitals, to healthcare workers. We shared with everyone that it wouldn't affect their waiting times, but at the same time, for us, it's very, it was very tough to have a product that can change people's life. And you see all these doctors and healthcare workers dealing with this nightmare of outbreak that they have to deal with everything and they don't have even protection that we decided as a company that we wanted to do it. And I think uh, we, we maintained this campaign for over two months and we were shipping on a weekly basis to healthcare workers. And I feel like that's part of why the community loves Touchline is because when we have to do stuff, we just need to take action on something that for us was important during that, that moment of time. Coming up, Andrea shares the challenges to supply chain, capacity, and brand reputation of meeting a sudden massive demand for Touchland's products. Hi, entrepreneurs! You know I am always here to provide you with as much value as possible. So I wanted to be sure that you have access to the Entrepreneurista Agenda, our weekly newsletter where we share the latest business news, success stories, grant opportunities, as well as all of our favorite resources and special offers for founders just like you. You can sign up to join our weekly newsletter and join over 50,000 other entrepreneurs over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash newsletter. That's entrepreneurs.com slash newsletter to subscribe to the Entrepreneurs Agenda. Now that we are four or five months into uh, dealing with the pandemic in the U.S., what would you say your biggest challenges are, are now? And what do you think the future looks like for Touchland? Well, our biggest challenges, I think it's going to be for a long time, supply chain and capacity. Because well before the COVID, we launched at Ulta in 1,200 doors. And that was in January. And we sold out within days. <laughs> and we're getting a lot of press. We're obviously, they are sharing our story. Like, look at this hand sanitizer company with 34,000 people on the wait list. And this is being on and off of selling out for the last month. So that also creates more buzz. So uh, we have a lot of demand. Uh, one of our plans, obviously, is to grow internationally because not only in U.S., we have a lot of demand across the world. Right now, 
we have distributors in Italy, we have distributors in Mexico, South Korea, Canada, but the world is so big and we're getting proposals from South Africa and Middle East and so many places that I think that's, that's one of our challenges. Like Dodgeland is now a brand that is needed, especially for, for many people. And if you think it's not only about the function of sanitizing, but when you think about people that use this product on daily basis or constant basis, like healthcare, their skin is cracked. And they're like, Andrea, like this product leaves my hands so good that the, I, I don't longer have to carry a lotion with me. So um, that, that's going to be our main focus, like continue growing the capacity at our supply chain facility and also building up great partnerships that I cannot say, but we're already working with great brands to develop co-branding products that are going to be very successful, I do believe so. And uh, keep growing. Um, also, we have our commercial solution that we launched at the beginning of the year, the dispenser, the cap. I think one of the things that we've experienced with the outbreak is that businesses that are not talking about healthcare, but like general businesses, hotels, restaurants, offices, they saw hand sanitizer as an extra. But right now they understood that this is a product that they need to carry as a mandatory product. And one of the challenges that we are going to continue pushing forward is the establishment of partnerships with the B2B customers. During these months, we have been able to sign Partnerships with companies such as Equinox, Soul Cycle, Blink, Sweet Green, the standard hotels, like many brands that have decided to implement our dispensers in their facilities to offer like clean and, and healthy environments for their customers and staff. So this also has helped the brand not only be a consumer goods brand, but also be a B2B brand that offers the solutions for category leaders across the U.S. So I know being an entrepreneur there, especially when you see there's so much opportunity, then definitely in your category right now, it's really hard to figure out how to prioritize what to do first, what you should focus on, what someone on your team should focus on. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like for you, especially given all of the opportunities that you have available to you right now, given the, the current situation? Yeah, one of the worst things is having to say no especially to customers that uh, we're having over thousands of inquiries of distribution and, and customers and big businesses that they want to have the product and you have to prioritize. And I think like, obviously our strategy is to build like meaningful long-term partnerships. We've been offered like, even like some examples is distributions. We decided to focus on distributors that we already signed before the pandemic because our biggest fear was this opportunistic wave of business people that just see this as an opportunity to make gold for the next 12 months and not think Touchland as a brand that wants to stay for many years in the market. And so we've tested these distributors and just say like, hey, perfect, you will start in 2021. Oh no, that's going to be too late. So then you can see also like the vision, the mission, the values that these partners, that potential partners that you're evaluating if they get aligned or not with you. So that has been part of our, our due diligence is trying to understand like what kind of values all these people that are reaching out have and we just simply select those that feel more aligned with us. I think one of the things that we've seen during this pandemic is the price gouging. And people was very happy because we not only maintain the prices, although the alcohol price tripled. So in some SKUs, we are struggling because obviously when, when your main ingredient triples the price. Some brands had to touch the prices. We decided that we didn't want to. 
but I think also consumers appreciated that we continue to offer the bundling option where you can get like up to 30% discount and all that. So I think in this case, we focus more like what's going to be touched on in one year, two years, three years from now, then what can we make best out of this moment? Many, even the FDA now is regulating so many companies that are making hand sanitizer that has toxic ingredients and everything. And I'm glad they do because this is an FDA product at the end. So it, it's good that they are stepping in and making sure that toxic products don't end up in the market. As entrepreneurs, we know that you're really only as good as your team. So can you talk to us about the types of roles you have and what they've enabled you to prioritize and what do you delegate to them? Yeah. So I think one of the things that I'm more picky is about the team. I'm a person with values, a lot of values, and, and that's like also touch on values. So anyone that jumps in the team has to be someone that I don't want to have to fire in a few months. I'm proud to say that I haven't fired anyone since we started. So we have been very lucky with the team. We started hiring in August 2018. The first person we hired was our chief growth officer, digital growth officer. He was helping brands that are like fast growing D2C companies in the US. He came on board, helped us build the e-commerce, like the omni-channel strategy and everything. The second person we hired was customer service because we do believe that customer service is key for us. And then we've been growing since then. We have all, over like 10 people right now and all of them are great. Like, I mean, these are people that I can ask anything. Like this is not a hierarchic company. I feel like most of the startups are not hierarchic. Like we conversate, I listen to them as much as I would listen to myself. Like that's why we hire them. Like this is people that has been very valuable for many companies and they decided to trust me and Touchline into this venture. So... I think that's one of the most important things to get people that are not only great workers, but that are aligned with the values. Because at some point they are going to talk with customers, they are going to talk with businesses. And the last thing you want is that they don't share the same values and that they talk in a different way that you would talk. Is there a particular question you always ask during interviews? The problem is to be fairly transparent, Stephanie, that I have never worked with anyone. So I have never been interviewed. So I'm learning as I go with questions. And I think it's more about the gut that I have. I'm not so focused on the resume of the person, like where did they study, where they did not. I'm more focused on their productivity, their values, their anxiety to make a change. And also like to work in this like environment of uncertainty and challenges and problems because it is like that. And if you get someone that gets overwhelmed easily, they're going to go in panic. <laughs> so it's good that you get people that has work also for startups that they understand wh- what are they getting into. How do you assess an interview, whether or not they can work under uncertainty or they're proactive. One of the questions that I asked to know the character of the person in an interview is like, what's the worst situation you've encountered in your role in the past? And you can see like a true entrepreneur, like a true startup mindset. Like we get some people on the interviews that when they say, what was their worst situation? In my case, would be the best day for me. So that's, that's somehow a way to measure like, the level of stress that this person has gone through, like especially like if they come from like bigger companies with more limited risk, you can see that their worst case scenario is like a a normal day in my life. So that's one way to see it if they are ready for going to war. Is your whole team working remotely right now? Yeah. 
Do you have any tips you can share for keeping your company culture engaged right now while everyone's been working from home? We were already working from home even before the outbreak because I have team across the U.S. Being in Miami, it's very hard. Like when you find all these talented people across the U.S., to ask them, okay, leave your family or you have to move here. And I feel like nowadays it's not required. Uh, There are some old style companies that you have to move to this city and work from here. But I feel it's more motivating. Like, for example, like team members that have kids that they go to schools, like have them move to another state, start from zero. Like uh, if that, that's going to keep them more motivated that we allow them to work from home. And and, And I feel like the culture has changed. I feel like before, like if you work from home, you had the feeling that they might not be doing anything. In our case, like their involvement is so big, I have no concerns about it. Like they, they are just even work harder than I do and I work a lot. And was there anything uh, in the last few years that's really surprised you about running a business? Everything. <laughs> I, feel like I get a lot of times like when something happens, like, oh, that's the first time that it has happened to me. And it's like, either I have the worst bad luck in the world or like I'm getting all the obstacles because every single situation that we've encountered, like problems, like the partner is like, oh, that's the first time that we encounter something like this. And so I feel like they say that every time to make you feel like <laughs> the first one, but it's been challenging everything. I think one of the hardest part is supply chain because you can have the most successful product in the world, but in the end, like there's some parts that you cannot control, which is supply chain, quality, and you can have many problems. Like two weeks ago, we were bringing a container that was already committed and it had an accident. And so you encounter, I feel like when you watch movies that just like joy or everything is what you have to go through hell as an entrepreneur. And I kind of like it because that makes me also feel like challenged every day, but it is obstacle after obstacle. How do you stay level-headed during all of these challenges and keep going? The long-term thinking, like uh, in, in my case, I started this to create kind of like the apple of hand sanitizers and you have to pay the fees of being an entrepreneur. And it's, it's going to be like one in a million that gets there and, and it's all about attitude. And sometimes I must say like, yeah, I've cried. Yeah, I've been anxious. Yes, I wanted sometimes to strangulate someone, but it is part of the journey and, and you have to just think long-term and it's like one more step. You're closer, one more step to your goal. And that's it. And I think like there's many people that doesn't have like such a big goals that sometimes when you experience challenges, that's when you doubt if you want to continue. That's why it's so important to have a very strong reason why when you start. Up next, how Andrea has been preparing herself for 10 years for this very moment. Plus a black belt and singing in front of a thousand people. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entrepreneista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneistas. We really wanted to create a community for Entrepreneistas to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. 
What's something that our listeners would be surprised to learn about you? A lot. <laughs> For example, that I am black belt in judo. I did 10 years of judo when I was little. That I have sang in front of a thousand people also. When I, when I was little, I, I was heavily entertained. <laughs> what were you singing? Everything. I used to go to contests and everything, but then I realized that it would be more fun <laughs> to be an entrepreneur. That's so funny. I did musical theater growing up. So I love that, that that's your background. I totally can relate. Yeah, I did musical theater. I was gonna say, I have to ask, what shows were you in? <laughs> uh, I did uh, Chicago. I did Rent. I did in Barcelona, obviously, but I did a lot of them. Well, we'll have to have an offline Broadway sing-along one day. Maybe we'll do an Instagram live. <laughs> with a glass of wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what does a typical day look like for you? A typical day before the pandemic or? I guess before and how has it changed? Before I used to have a orange. What time would you wake up before and now? Every time is earlier. I don't even use alarm clock. My brain is just like, I normally wake at seven, but sometimes at six, five thirty. Depends on the on the time and the stress. Um, I sleep not a lot, and also I'm I'm Spanish, so we go to sleep very late. We go to sleep at midnight or one a.m., so <laughs> that shortens the sleep time. And I wake up. I have started meditating, so I get in the terrace and I breathe and everything, and that helps me clear my mind. And then we would go to the office. I learned to cook for the last months. I've learned to cook because when I was in Barcelona, my mom was always helping me with cooking and have Tupperwares every week. And now I'm surviving. So I learned how to cook and basically work until 9 p.m. after, have dinner, love TV shows. Now I'm watching the last empire, the last, uh, yeah. Since I just moved to Miami, are you, you know, staying in your apartment and just working around the clock or do you go out? Do you go to the beach, restaurants? No, no. Like, <laughs> especially even before the, the pandemic, since we launched, I've been fully dedicated and we don't go out as much. I feel like I've partied enough in my young days. So <laughs> I over that part of me. These days we are all day at home. I have two dogs that I am very entertained with. Um, so it's been, it's been very relaxing actually. And, and it has helped me also to slow down. I, I used to live a life with a lot of stress, always like meeting with friends and always having time for everyone and forgetting about self-care and everything. And I feel like these last months I have been able to find my inner peace and relax and enjoy watching the TV and not be always in a rush with everything that I do. What are some tips that you can share that have helped you been able to slow down? I love uh, getting out of the terrace in Miami, especially that there is sun, meditating. I, I use these meditation apps. I love music. So this kind of thing just chills me and chills me down and help me to relax. Yeah. Is there anything you wish you knew when you first started? So back to when you were 24, what would you tell your 24-year-old self? Yeah, I get this question a lot. And the problem is that I do believe that everything happens for a reason and that if I knew and I didn't go through that path, I would not be here. So, of course, I wish I knew a lot about everything from trademark protection and IV protection and supply chain and uh, pre-series and prototypes. And there are so many things that I've learned that I didn't know when I was fresh out of university that I wish I knew. But at the same time, it has been great to, to learn and to 
look back on time and the, the innocent 24-year me thinking that if you work hard, you get what you want. No, unfortunately, as an entrepreneur, it's not like that. Um, sometimes, as I said, like sometimes you just, you can maintain your goal, but you just have to change your path to get there because sometimes that's not the right path. And I'm glad that when we were in certain situations where I knew that we were pushing too much, we readjusted the ways to get there. And you mentioned before that you, at one point, will exit the company or sell the company. Do you have a goal in mind of when you want to do that? To be honest, I have dedicated the last 10 years that has been very tough. And now I, I say that the party's getting started. So I don't want to, so I want to enjoy as an entrepreneur. Like for the last 10 years, I've been preparing myself for growing this company and building this team that I call my business family and and to create this community that adore us and we and we also adore them for being so kind with us so that's I think what I was dedicating one third of my life and I'm glad that I pushed hard to be where we are right now and I'm not thinking about it to be honest like obviously during these days before the outbreak trying to raise money was a nightmare like all investors said, like, is, this is not a sexy category. Hand sanitizers, boom, no. And now it has changed the wheel. And now all of us, all of them that we meet, was like, hey, how are you doing? Can we test now? And it's like, no. <laughs> We're just in a moment that we just want to grow this baby, make sure that we can create a company like Apple that can change self-care and that we can create these delightful moments of self-care like through hand sanitizers and through new categories that we introduce but like keep bringing joy to the everyday life no that's that's really great how do you decide now what tasks you're going to take on versus what you delegate to other team members Mm, (laughs) it depends like uh, i think like i'm getting to a point that i have a very proactive team they anticipate myself if there's something that they can do is like i'll do that and we're very well organized I'm very strong at negotiation. So a lot of people say like, when I negotiate, I want to be on your side because that's something that I, I push forward to get like an equal deal that I feel comfortable with. And if I don't, I don't go forward. But we're getting in a point that we're very well engineered and well synchronized with the task. Everyone does, does what. And, and I feel comfortable before it was more like, you have to do this. Are you doing this? And now I'm getting more like, in a moment that I don't have to be checking homework and it's more like everyone knows what they have to do. Are there certain tools or softwares that you use with your team so you can all stay organized and communicate together? Yeah, we use a lot. We use obviously um, Slack, we use Trello, we use WhatsApp a lot. We have obviously like my WhatsApp has like 10 touchline groups, like the marketing, the logistics. So it's very funny that all my WhatsApp is all the logos of touchline from up to down. And we call a lot. I feel like one of the parts of being in the distance is I'm just talking with them all day. Like I end up at night with no voice because if anything, I like to consult. And and I feel like that way also team members feel part of something. Even if it's like, what should be the brand direction that we're doing with this agency? What should be the style for the shooting? What should be the collaboration? Which brand should we collaborate? We are all even, no matter what department they're in, we are all very, like as a community, like we decide everything together and that's a good way also for them to feel motivated. And what would you say you're most grateful for each day? Health. <laughs> yes. Now and then. Yeah, I think like the most important is health and also family. I was supposed to go to Barcelona in March, but my flight got canceled. So it's been 
seven months that I don't get to see my family and it's not easy, but like health right now is one of the priorities. And I think everyone should, should value health over everything else. That is so true. Without your health, you really have, have nothing and you're building a company right now to be able to help people continue to stay healthy. So you're definitely contributing to your goal and mission and, it, and it's truly incredible. What would you say that being an entrepreneurista means to you? I think like one of the part that is very exciting is that by sharing your knowledge, you empower other people to follow their dreams. And I think like being an entrepreneurista is not only following your journey, but also giving back. I think that's one of the things that I like the most. And people tell me like, you have no time. Why do you share your story? And it's like, I think like by sharing my story, my worst days, my obstacles, like I also motivate people to say like, okay, she went through hell, but there she is. Like maybe I could do the same. And I think being an entrepreneur is like being part of a community that not only follows your own dreams, but also empowers other women to follow their dreams. And, and by somehow eliminating those obstacles and like leveraging your knowledge to help others not go through the same. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And our audience is going to learn so much from you just sharing your story and your journey. And I can't wait to continue to follow your journey and your company and see what you do next. I know it's going to be absolutely incredible. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to share with us today. This has been, been so wonderful. Where can everyone find you, follow you, and of course, buy your incredible products? Everyone can follow us at Instagram and TikTok at Touchland on myself and Andrea Lisbona on Instagram. And they can find our product at touchland.com and we've created a special discount code for Entrepreneurista community. The code is Entrepreneurista10 and you can get a 10% discount on our website. Well, thank you so much for, for offering yes. that. I know I'm going to use it. I need to order some, some more hand sanitizer because yeah. I am out. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Copyright Social Fly, all rights reserved. Thanks for listening. Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. Do you want to experience what it's like to be part of our Entrepreneurial League community of founders? Now is your chance. New member open enrollment begins on June 10th, and so does our Experience Week. I really want you to have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be part of the most supportive community that will be here to support you at all stages of your business journey during our Experience Week. This will be a five-day virtual event series, and it starts on Monday, June 10th through Friday, June 14th. You're going to get access to live networking and learning events, business growth strategies, as well as office hours with Kim Corral, who is a CEO and serial entrepreneurista, as well as a prominent angel investor. You will also get access to a session on how to win grants with Kat Weaver and Katie Dunn, founders of Power to Pitch. Plus, our mentor, Carrie Kirpin, will be teaching a session all about how to build a profitable business that can sell for more money. 
And of course, I'll be hosting two info and networking sessions where you can really get an inside look at all of the exclusive benefits and resources that are offered only inside of our Entrepreneurial League community. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and build relationships with current members. You can register today for Experience Week over at entreprenista.com forward slash experience week. That's entreprenista.com forward slash experience week to join us for a week of free virtual events. I cannot wait to meet you and be part of your business journey.